Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 358th episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. Broadcasting in this our eighth year across the world. And we're coming to you today from Vienna in Austria, where I'm giving a presentation to several hundred European business executives. And we're talking about disruption, how to be the disruptor, not the disruptee. And next week's broadcast will be from Moscow in Russia, where I'll be giving a similar presentation. Now, If you're a cryptocurrency investor, the last few months have been brutal. I'm losing hair at the rate of knots. My portfolio has fallen by about 75%, and I'm sure yours have probably fallen pretty similarly. But I'm holding on to my cryptos, and here is why I reckon you should hold on to yours. Earlier this month, Apple became the first US company to reach $1 trillion market cap, but you might remember, on its way to $1 trillion, at one point, Apple fell 82% after the dot-com bubble. Over a three-year period, shares plummeted from nearly $6 to about $0.80. Cents. So 82% drop. The same with Amazon. On the way to becoming the second largest publicly traded company in the world, Amazon took a 96% nosedive, 96%. And after seeing massive drops like this, most investors panic and sell their shares in, you know, if you had both, you'd sell your shares in both companies. But they would also have made the biggest investment mistake of their lives. Apple investors who didn't panic sell when it fell 82%, Saw the big and saw the big picture. They would have turned every one thousand dollars they had into twenty three point seven million dollars today. So if you sold, you would have got nothing. If you hung on, you would have got twenty three point seven million for every thousand dollars you had invested. But investors who'd um, foresight and held during the crash of Amazon would have turned every thousand dollars worth of stock in Amazon to $31.5 million today. So instead of panic selling and getting nothing, you would have had $31.5 million for every $1,000 you invested. Now, young technology companies see these kinds of falls all the time. And that's exactly what's happening with the crypto market. So why should you write it out? Let's just have a look at it. In the last couple of weeks, the crypto market's down 6%. And much of that fatality volatility, hard words, was due to the selling of Ether, which is the second largest crypto behind Bitcoin. Ethereum is the most popular blockchain for launching initial coin offerings, which are ICOs. And uh, ICOs are very similar to IPOs that have been held forever by traditional companies. But just like IPOs, blockchain projects use ICOs to raise funds. This year, blockchain startups have raised $17.9 billion from ICOs. That's already much more 
than all of last year's ICOs combined. So that's a great sign that the overall crypto market is growing. But it is a short-term problem for Ethereum. The reason we're seeing the big sell-off, especially in Ethereum, is that this year we've seen companies raise more money in ICOs than all of last year. And the primary funding currency that they're using to raise all that money is Ethereum. So as Ether prices have come down, the ICO entrepreneurs have started to panic. Think about it. Let's say you raised money when Ether was $800. You raised, say, $30 million. Then it went to $400. So now it's only worth $15 million. And now it's at $2.60. It's only $7 million. So that $30 million you thought was going to last you a couple of years is now only going to last you about eight months. So these guys are seeing their funds evaporate and they're panic selling. We've seen similar situations in the stock market before, like Apple and Amazon, as I mentioned. But there are more. In 2008, American Express fell from $65 to $8. And the Los, Ange- Las Vegas Sands fell from $144 to $1.38. So if you're if you're holding a stock went from $144 to $1.38, you would sell. And of course, as people sell, that accelerates the downturn. So but both companies recovered. And I can't tell you when the panic selling will end with crypto. But we know that quality companies will rebound and go even higher. Over the past two and a half years, crypto's seen five drawdowns of around 85%. So we might still have a little way to go. However, the overall portfolio is still up 828%. So this is just another bout of volatility. But there are a lot of tailwinds behind cryptos. For example... You may not know this, but the Internet Intercontinental Exchange, which is ICE, announced it's working with Microsoft to create a new platform for cryptocurrencies. Now, ICE owns the New York Stock Exchange and 23 other exchanges around the world, including a lot of biggies, Chicago, San Francisco, London, Singapore, and others. So you've got the biggest stock exchanges in the world switching over to crypto. So it makes it sound like, a pretty good invest investment. So my advice is to put your positions on and leave them on. Just let the market do what it's going to do. There's nothing you can do about it. So that's why smart investors who held on to Amazon and Apple are now multi, multi, multi millionaires. And that's what crypto investors should do today. Incidentally, this was a report earlier in the week. Frederick Briggs is a systems analyst and computer science at Canador College. He's a dedicated chartist, and he said yesterday that by his analysis, the best case scenario for Bitcoin a year after next in 2020, the best case scenario is each Bitcoin will be worth $1 million. And he's also got a modest case scenario which is $100,000. I'll settle for either one of those. So I, for one, I'm betting that he's right. Do you get my 30-second daily read newsletter? 
We now have got about 1.7 million daily subscribers. It takes just 30 seconds to read, although I've tackled a couple of tricky subjects for next week, so you might take you a minute to read it. But we talk about advances in medicine, new apps, new technology. We talk about Hyperloop and autonomous cars and blockchain and pretty much everything that's new and newsy. Today's newsletter talks about an initiative by a number of startups to cut food waste. And I was blown away to find out that food waste currently costs a staggering 1.6 billion tonnes of food a year is thrown out. 1.6 billion tonnes. So to keep abreast of all the new developments in business and technology and ensure that you're able to compete in this ever-competitive world, you've got to get my newsletter. It's really simple to get. Lots of people do it every day. You simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enrol. Simple as that. Easy peasy. Now, we're going through a period of huge change, and uh, one of the most important changes is the way we make stuff. The process of designing and engineering the tools that are necessary to manufacture parts was the essential technology behind the early industrial revolution. If you want to make something, you've got to get the tooling done, which is damned expensive, and then ship it off somewhere, get it made in some other part of the world. And it's really difficult and expensive process. And if you're only going to make one or 10 or 20 of something, each part costs you and can cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Today, we ship raw materials around the world to factories that make parts. Those parts are shipped to other factories that assemble them into product components, which are then shipped all over the road to more factories that make even more complex final products and the modern era of global trade and tariffs begin because everywhere it goes, some government taxes you. So things end up costing a fortune. I had a little gadget broke on a toilet seat and I had to go and get it handmade and it cost about $500. 3D printing costs about 10 cents. That's the difference. It's an incredible difference. So you, you multiply that across everything that's made in the world and you're talking about tens of trillions of dollars which is spent traveling with products been traveling on boats and planes and going across the ocean. Now, almost every product has a component that slowly moved through warehouses and customs facilities. You ever try to get anything out of customs? Jeez. And bureaucrats just keep hitting you with more and more taxes or VATs. Today, there's a new class of high-speed industrial 3D printers and they're enabling a totally new era of productivity. These machines are capable of printing really complex parts at a lower cost than traditional techniques like casting. And the costs for low to mid-range volumes are almost equivalent to those associated with injection moulding. Now, as this technology matures, the point at which the process breaks even will improve. And you can build anything with 3D printing. I mean, the Chinese have built a six-storey office block in less than a week 
by 3D printing it. Six stories. These 3D printers are just monstrous. And there's other machines that'll print something as small as a pin. So in this new model, only raw materials are shipped and factories around the world digitally print parts as they need them. You get the, the diagram sent to you by computer. There's no tooling, no wasted raw materials and little storage. Parts are no longer stuck on ships and planes. They just travel as digital files now to wherever they need to be printed. So the benefits of a borderless supply chain is one factor driving the adoption of these new printing presses. There are also additional motivations. Firstly, artificial intelligence-driven design producing fully optimized parts, they're 50% lighter than their conventional counterparts without sacrificing performance. They can be super complex shapes that can't be done in any other way except through 3D printing. And so therefore, everyone benefits when you make a product lighter. There are fewer materials to purchase, less wastage, less energy to move it, and performance increases, not to mention the fact that it's a bloody sight cheaper. Now, this design process combines many parts in a product into a single, solid, multifunctional part. So, for example, General Electric took the housing of a turboprop engine, which had 855 parts, and by 3D printing, they needed less than 20 parts. So that's 835 parts they didn't have to inventory, didn't have to store, didn't have to worry about losing, or it dramatically reduces the cost of manufacture, shipping, storage handling, everything. Just cuts the costs. 3D printing makes it possible to produce very complex designs for free, liberating designers from the manufacturing process, which is a great thing. So a very small company in Ghana, for example, will be able to print parts with the same quality and the same cost as a massive factory in Connecticut or Los Angeles. So you can have a little person in a small factory, even a shop, can produce parts at the same cost as a major plant. And the best designs are sent around the world digitally and printed on demand, eliminating all those tariffs and taxes as well. So mass borderless production by 3D printing presses, it's one of the most crucial enabling technologies that's going to drive productivity, economic growth and prosperity through this century. It's an amazing technology. Now, my guest after the break is Mark Cohen. And Mark has uh, founded and sold five of his companies to publicly traded entities. It's hard enough to do one. He's done five. In an environment where over 95% of entrepreneurs fail, founding and selling five different startups for a hell of a lot of money is an extraordinary effort. Mark is now co-founder and CEO of Wrinkle. This is Bob Pritchard, broadcasting across the world this week from Vienna in Austria. I'll be back in a minute.
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Radio Show. You know, over the last six years, we've given you the insights into the lives of somewhere around 400 of the world's most interesting and controversial business people. We've uh, talked about what they do, what's made them successful, and we've tried to get behind that a bit and see what it is that makes them tick. You know, 95% of all new businesses fail, and so the 5% that succeed are pretty special people. And uh, that's why every week on this show, I urge you to um, surround yourself with mentors and, and read Uh, biographies of successful people and read the trades in your particular industry because that's they're the keys to not failing and everybody in the in business faces the same challenge everyone has a dream but they have to persevere and overcome obstacles and uh, the fact that 95% of businesses fail is testament to the fact that taking a great business idea or your new invention to the market is extremely difficult. Now, Mark Cohen has founded and sold five of his companies to publicly traded entities. That's an extraordinary effort. And these include Teleperformance Interactive, Campus Direct, VoiceFX Corporation, Advanced Voice Systems. And in an environment where over 95% of entrepreneurs fail, founding and selling five different startups for a hell of a lot of money that's, that's a pretty extraordinary feat. Now, Mark's no, now co-founder and CEO of Wrinkle. I love that name, W-R-I-N-K-L. And Wrinkle's cloud-based communication software, it combines an easy-to-use group chat interface with a suite of native messaging tools that are designed to get work done and create a system of record. And these are critical factors today. Wrinkle provides businesses with messaging solutions that reduce clutter, good thing, distills what's important and supplies the tools to act on it, all without leaving the conversation. So, Mark, thank you very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and on Voice America Business. You're being heard all around the world. Well, thank you for having me. So, what's the key to your success? Five startups, five successful sales to 
big companies at a time when nine out of 10 startups fail. What do you do that a majority of other entrepreneurs do? And what's the key thing about your personality that makes you different than nine and a half out of every 10 other entrepreneurs? You can tell me Uh, you're brilliant. It's all uh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not it. Um, You know, I I would definitely say, um, you know, uh, survival is a big part of ultimately succeeding. Um, So many companies uh, fail just because they've run out of money um, or they they just they just can't hang in there long enough. Um, So I I think that, you know, managing your costs, um, you know, staying focused and, uh, you know, surviving is a big part of it. Um, I, I also think that, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I, starting a company and, and ultimately selling it um, is unbelievably hard. Uh, it's just unbelievably hard. It takes, Absolutely. it just takes everything um, to, to do it. And um, I don't think that if you're trying to make money, that's enough. I don't, I don't know that I would ever sacrifice what I've sacrificed uh, just to make money. It's just, it's just too hard. Um, so I think there's a big difference between um, wanting something and needing it. And I think for me, for whatever reason, my makeup, um, you know, just, you know, when I get one of these ideas and I want to build a company, um, it's, it's more important to me than just wanting it. It's, it's, it's just, it's a need to have as opposed to a want to have. So I think that's, you know, I think that's really uh, fundamental for me anyway. Other, other people I've met a lot of successful people, and uh, other people seem to uh, do it in different ways. But for me, um, for, and, and also you've got to be passionate, you've got to love it. So sure. I, I just love, I love startups, and I just, I just love the challenges. I love how hard it is, and and I, I you know, I just like to build things with great people. And uh, so, I think you, that answers your question. I think you hit the nail on the head there. One of the, you know, I've work with a lot of startups and I found that um, many startups fail because the entrepreneur has a great idea and he understands that part of business really well. He can build the widget or whatever he's doing um, perfectly and better than anybody else. But when it comes to running a business and having to be the HR person and the accountant person and the sales manager and all of the other things that are that um, are required for a successful business, most startups can't afford to hire all those people and therefore, while the product might be great, they still fail. How have you addressed that? I mean, now you've probably developed enough money to be able to employ those people straight off. But in your first startup, how did you address the fact that you've got to be a jack of all trades? Yeah, um well, I, I also think even in later startups, there's a discipline, um, you know, and, and, you know, just because you can raise a lot of money, I think sometimes that's the worst thing. In my second company, uh, the people that bought my first company um, also invested early on in my second company before we had a fully, you know, uh, thought through business. So sometimes having the money is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, not having a lot of money and staying disciplined is, is really, really uh, useful. Um, it really makes you uh, work hard, think hard, um, and and uh, you know. So so I I don't I think having too much money to start actually could be a bad thing because you, you don't have the discipline and the focus. Um, 
but uh, I, yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 wear you wear a lot of hats. Um, you you you. Uh, I love when when I interview people, and uh, if at some point during the interview I hear them talking about how they figure things out, yep. uh, I, I I think that's one of the most valuable things, uh, capabilities or abilities of somebody. Uh, people that can figure things out are the people that you want to work with. Sure. Um, so so yeah, I, I think I think we. We, you know, we all still wear a lot of hats. We do what's necessary. Uh, whatever you're worst at is the most important thing. It always turns out. Yeah. And uh, you, you, you've, you've just got to get strong where you're weak and just keep pushing forward. And uh, no, but to this day, I mean, I'm, you know, uh, in this in Wrinkle, I've, I've done I've done a lot of learning about UX design. Uh, we work with. Uh, we did a lot of outsourcing in the beginning to uh, UX designers. Um, and uh, as a typical startup, you know, nothing, nothing gets done quickly enough. So, you know, uh, where I, I had to learn Sketch, um, which is a fantastic design program, and it just sped things up tremendously. And even though I might still have a professional polish it off, I'm able to get a lot of my concepts down much more quickly and more cost-effectively uh, by learning how to do it myself. And my partner, Eric Katz, uh, is a phenomenal, brilliant guy. Um, he's the same uh, in, in that he, he's had to learn things that were not necessarily in his background. He had 17 years uh, in M&A at Blackstone Group, and uh, he had to learn uh, a whole lot of new things as well. So, right. uh, I, I, yep. If I, if I sat down with 100 entrepreneurs, the first thing they'd say is, it's nearly fucking impossible to raise money. Had it. How did you go about raising money for your first venture? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a pretty funny story. Um, my, my brother Jeff and I, since we were kids, we sold pretzels. We were from Philly and sold pretzels on the street. <laughs> and um, so I, when I was 18 years old and uh, started uh, Advanced Voice Systems, we were one of the first voicemail companies in the country, and we ultimately sold MCI about five years later. Um, but I was the president of a, of a telecom company uh, during the week, and on the weekends I was selling pretzels because uh, that's where I was making my money, which is kind of <laughs> funny. Um, but, but, you know, it took me a year and a half to raise $150,000. And um, I, I skipped college. I was getting ready to go to college, and I withdrew, uh, you know, about the day before uh, to pursue, pursue advanced voice systems, the dream. Yep. And, uh, you know, basically uh, it was – uh, friends and friends of friends. It might be, you know, we had a couple people that invested $30,000, which was huge. Um, you know, um, I had to borrow money and my dad, my dad and I uh, borrowed money from my uncle uh, to, to put in our penny stare shares, $5,000 yeah. uh, to, to buy some shares. And um, it, it's just it's, uh, very difficult. Uh, we did a lot of presentations to venture capitalists that didn't really go anywhere. Um, uh, but you, you just, uh, I guess you just meet with people. Uh, they believe in your dream. They believe in you. Um, and you just, you just keep, keep talking. Again, moving forward. But, okay. Yeah. Before we get on a more detailed discussion about Wrinkle, um, I think the other two things that um, people would say, uh, entrepreneurs would say is, you know, I didn't really set up the company right in the first place. I didn't protect myself with my patents and, and copyright or whatever it is. I didn't do that very well. Um, and the accounting was a mess. I mingled all my personal stuff with my business stuff. Did you, how did, 
there are there are a number of accountants and lawyers that will work with a startup um, on either a reduced fee or in many cases without a fee until the company gets going. How did you address the legal and accounting sides of your initial business? Yeah, so um, the very first company, um, my, my dad was an attorney, but he wasn't practicing at the time. He was a trust officer at a, at a bank uh, locally. Um, he, 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 I guess from that background, um, he knew some lawyers. Uh, we ended up going with uh, a lawyer, Tom Thomas, out of uh, Saul Ewing in Philly. Um, and uh, they, they were willing to uh, work with us. And they were a very um, prestigious firm in Philly. So I think we, from the beginning, wanted to do that right. And since I was so young, I think that was even more important to me to have the right team and the right people around me. And, and we actually ended up using Arthur Anderson as well. Yeah. And uh, so between Arthur Anderson and Saul Ewing, um, it really helped establish some credibility for a kid uh, at the time. Uh, not as important now, um, you know, with a successful sure. track record, certain things get a lot easier. Yeah. Well, for, for those of you listening, I've um, over the past couple of months, I've interviewed both accountants and attorneys talking about this very same thing. And now Mark's just reinforcing that when you start up your company and you, I know you're short of money and you, get that legal advice and get that accounting advice because it can save you one hell of a lot of grief a little bit down the line. Okay, so let's talk about Wrinkle. How does Wrinkle enable users to be more productive? First of all, who are the primary users of Wrinkle and how does it help them to become more productive? Sure. Um, you know, Wrinkle is a group messaging application um, and uh, we're, we're really focused on... Um, you know, solving problems. So right. we're not we're not trying to you know we're not just IRC Internet Relay Chat. We're sure, not sure. a lot of companies out there basically just painted IRC a different color. They differentiated, and we really have uh, tried to innovate. Um, so we do have patents. You were just talking about IP and protecting IP. We think that's really important, and uh, so we've got you know a number of patents, and um, our, our our users are are uh, small, medium sized businesses mostly. Right. And we and and they use us in a, in a number of different ways. So um, that's a I guess I could I could get into more specifics about how how they uh, you know different use cases whether it's a healthcare company or or a dental society um, or you know just general businesses. But it really we really listen to what they're trying to achieve um, with uh, with with messaging. And one one of the things um, about group messaging. Um, is you know we're we're designing our tools um, with the goal of keeping conversations in a single channel. Yes. So uh, a lot of a lot of messaging applications, you're jumping all around from channel to channel, even from app to app. And uh, one of the one of the things that we think is important to productivity is that people are able to come to a an application and stay there. So you've got the connect the context, the chronology, um, and and there's a flow to it. Um, and, and we don't accept certain established group messaging givens, uh, such as clutter, triviality, and perishability. Right. Um, and and uh, the, the, these are things that, you know, we hear uh, over and over again that people just seem to think that's inherent to group messaging and they accept it without any question. And, and we've, for us, I mean, it, group messaging would be worthless uh, the, way, the way it's, you know, generically provided. Yeah. Uh, so we fix yeah. those things from the inside out. Okay. Um, 
what are the deficiencies of email and group chat now? So I, I would say, um, you know, email is very formal, it's slow, and it's inherently unorganized. Um, and group messaging uh, I, I, is very noisy, it's very perishable, and it's very trivial. Right. So those, those are, you know, yeah, I would say those are deficiencies of email and group chat um, currently. Um, not wrinkle. We, we address those things, but I, I would say that anybody who uses group messaging or email currently is going to probably nod their head and agree with those kind of uh, inherent limitations or deficiencies. So how do you how do you differ from other group messaging platforms? Um, and there's there's quite a few of them around, and uh, a lot of them are big. How do you what gives yeah. what's your um, what's your primary advantage over most of the others that are out there? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that our primary advantage is just, you know, where we've come from, how we've looked at this. Um, we, didn't, we didn't start by saying, hey, let's improve group, voice, um, group messaging. Uh, we, we really started by, you know, trying to address, um, you know, uh, distributed workforces. That was right. uh, my partner and my original idea was trying to address the fact that more and more workforces are distributed and they're losing transparency and there's issues of recognition and engagement and culture continuity. Um, and so that's where we started and we kind of happened upon group messaging as a platform upon which we could deliver our ideas. So when we looked at some of the early group messaging platforms, which haven't really evolved at all since then, um, we said, you know, we just wouldn't use that. That's ridiculous. Um, they didn't get, a, they didn't move the ball down the field. Uh, they moved the ball. It was just sideline to sideline. So when we looked at it, we said, look, if I'm in a group of people and uh, I want to have a uh, conversation with just one of the people in the group, uh, I should be able to do that without switching channels. So, for example, if you're in any one of our competitors, any of them, and you want have 30 people in your group, your team, your marketing team. Um, or say you're in your HR channel and yep. you've got, you know, 40 people sure. and you want to ask everybody in the HR channel, the head of HR says, hey, can, can everybody please send me your social security number or your anything private, your home right. address? Okay. You would never do that. You would never do that in any application. At best, you would say, would you please send me a direct message with right. your home address or your social security number? And now... As the, as the head of HR, I've got to go to 40 different channels to look for each person who sent me um, their, their address. I mean, it's ridiculous. You, yeah, you, that, it's ridiculous. And that's talk fantastic. about a loss of yep. so, so in Wrinkle, we have something called sidebars. You can easily send one-to-one -one messages within a group. We also have something that's patented uh, called references. We're really excited about it. About 25% of all of our messages um, use this feature. Um, and... Um, what it is is say you get back from lunch and uh, you have 12 messages in, in your sales channel. Yes. And uh, the, sec the, the second message uh, is the one you want to respond to. And then there's 10 after it. You read all those. But now, you know, you just got back from lunch. You want to write your response to that second message. So you start typing. How do you let everybody in that channel who's about to see your post know what message of those 12 you're responding to? Okay. And the answer to that. The, the answer to that is you have to type some form of reference uh, about that message you're replying to. You have to do something so that people don't get lost. And we, we have a very simple solution. In, in Wrinkle, you simply click on the message you're responding to. 
Yep. And it inserts a little, it inserts this little, what we call a reference object, into the message you're typing. It's this little pill. It includes the username of the, per, of the message that you're referring to and includes the time. So that's inserted in this little pill, and then I type, I agree, for example. Right. Or this is a great idea. Um, or what time? Anything, just simple. I, you know, I clicked, wrote two words, I post it. Now, yep. anybody that sees that post in the stream knows by just hovering over that little pill what message I'm referring to because it'll pop right there. And what's amazing is how many people insert a reference object even referring to the message right above, the very last message. So uh, it, just makes, it just makes the organization and use so much easier. And that is a, uh, that, that, that's just an amazing feature that people just love. Um, so your question is, how do we differ from other platforms? I gave you two examples. I give you. I won't get into them now unless you ask me to. But we have something called bundles, which addresses perishability. Um, it's the ability to archive messages. Um, we've got advanced channel settings uh, that allow uh, people to define their channels on a case-by-case basis, and that all gets back to our premise of how do you need to use it. So you can have anonymous channels and read-only channels and only allow, you know, broadcast to all channels but it, and don't let anyone to broadcast in that channel, but let them reply one-to-one. We've right. got email integration, which we've got a patent on. We've got lists that you could reorder. So uh, I'll give you a real quick one on lists. Um, so one of the things that happens in group messaging all the time is I'll send a message to somebody saying, hey, uh, you know, I, do you think you can get me this information? Uh, please, you know, please send me this. And three days later, I realized, hey, I never got that. Didn't I ask so-and-so to do this three days ago? And who the heck wants to go back through three days of, you know, hundreds of messages looking for, <laughs> did I ask them for this? I understand so Rachel, that a... perfectly. I'm always doing <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a pain it, in the it, butt. It happens to everyone. Yeah. I'm sorry? It's a pain in the butt. And you get so many uh, messages uh, these days that... So, so in, in Wrinkle, all you do is when you send that message, hey, Jeff, can you please, you know, send me, a, you know, a copy of, the, you know, this or that. Um, I mark it as an outstanding. I just tag it. I tap on it. There's an icon that says tag that, that, that says outstanding. Um, I also tags that say star or to do. But I tag it as an outstanding, and it's done. And Wrinkle has two modes. It's got a channel mode, which everybody's used to if they're familiar with group messages. Yes. It also has an at-a-glance mode. I go to the at-a-glance mode, I go to my lists, I look at my outstanding, just one tap, I look at outstanding, that's my list across all of my channels of anything that I tag I'm waiting for. So now I don't gotta go through thousands of messages in all these different channels. I might have 10 things on my outstanding list and I could even reorder those because those aren't necessarily gonna be my priority. Chrono- you know, yeah. the chronology, the chronological order is not necessarily not my priority, priority order. order. Yeah. So anyway, that's called lists. It's another. It's it's native. It's 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 just part of what we do, um, and that's a, so. There's many many differences. We have a fundamental philosophical difference in how we think people should be able to use group messaging. Yeah, that's that's that sounds great. It's going to make a huge difference to efficiency, isn't it? Oh boy, uh, you know it really is. Um, you know the, the the wrong messaging platform actually makes things worse. And, uh, you know, channels in the wrong platform become fire hoses of emojis and lunch plans mixed in with a couple things you'd better not forget to do. Yeah. And, you know, at, at its worst, 
um, you know, group messaging is a commodity um, and it has social origins. And I think we're past the point where we should be downloading a generic app, messaging app, um, and hoping that a reason for using it will emerge. So a lot of people will just say, oh, you know, Slack is really cool or Stride. There's some, and, and I'm not disparaging those. They're, they, they've done an unbelievable job, and they've, they've, they've really made it great for the rest of us uh, because they're really getting the word out and uh, doing a great job. But, you know, people are downloading it and, and, uh, and hoping the reason for using it will just emerge. And I, I think that people should, before they download a group messaging app, they should really be more thoughtful about you know, what they're trying to achieve, and um, and 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 then and then implement and then and then once they know what their goals are, what what the objectives are, and what the guardrails should be of use of using it, um, that's when uh, they should should you know they should download the app and, and and use it. And that's where I think Wrinkle really excels because we really have uh, you know we're highly configurable. And, uh, and, and you're going to be able to apply us in, in, in the way that you need it to work. Um, we work around you, not the other way around. Right. So what type of solution should businesses look for in group messaging platforms that will drive uh, collaboration amongst employees? What are, the, what are the things that they should be looking for? Okay. Um, you know, I, I would say, um, you, know, you know, group messaging is highly collaborative. Right. We all know that. Yep. Um, the the problem is the problem is it's not structured for productive collaboration. So it's highly collaborative, but not necessarily productive collaboration. Um, I, I think that you know, like I was just saying, I think that that, that the solutions uh, that businesses should be looking for should match their particular goals. Um, if you're the president of an 800-person dental society, for example, uh, you may be looking for a way to engage your membership w- without encouraging you know, frivolous conversation. You don't want a channel with 800 people where everyone's weighing in, yep. but you might want a channel, you might want a channel where your executive board can post and the 800 people and 760 people um, can read it and may you and you may want to let some of those people reply one-to-one privately. And then, you know, so, you know, that's one example. If you're a healthcare company, um, you might be looking to communicate internally and or externally. Um, and you may want to keep your customer interactions separated or you, in some cases, anonymous but not integrated. Um, so you, you, want to, you really need to understand what you're trying to do. Uh, if you're a company that matches, um, you know, another example is, you know, if you're a company that matches local service providers to homeowners looking for a plumber or an electrician, you might be looking for something completely different. Um, so the, the, the solution is... You know, is really you, you start at what you're trying to achieve, and 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 you know, you try to have a tool that's highly configurable. And Wrinkle, talk to us, and and we'll help you. Uh, we're happy to sit down, get on a call, um, whatever, however it works best, and and uh, you know, help figure out a great way to achieve the result you're you're striving for. Okay, so if if um, someone wants to use Wrinkle, it's not as easy as downloading an app. You need to contact the company, contact Wrinkle. Oh, no, 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 no. You can absolutely download the app. I'm just adding okay. on top of it. Feel free to email us, uh, you know, or, or get in touch with us if you wanted further help. But, no, you can go to, uh, you know, you can Google Play and uh, the App Store. You can download it onto your iPhone or, or Android. Um, and, of course, you can go to www.wrinkle.com, and it's W-R-I-N-K-L.com. 
and uh, sign up. And uh, it's very, very easy. Download it and try it. Uh, and uh, I, I was just adding, uh, feel free to get in touch with us. We don't make it impossible for you to talk to the company. Uh, yeah. We want to hear from you. And if we can help you, we're happy to. Okay. So they, they effectively, people can then customize their own customize their own application depending on their needs. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we've got, you, you download the application. Uh, you, it's very, very, uh, there's, uh, once you download it, uh, there's a there's a wrinkle to, uh, wrinkle tour uh, that will, that we take you through uh, right away that gives you kind of an overview of the uh, of the product uh, and when and and we also send you wrinkle tips every day uh, for the first ten days or so where every day we send you an email um, that will uh, let you know uh, you know will tell you about another feature um, and capability of of wrinkle and that actually brings up another point something I didn't mention early earlier I don't think. Um, we, we actually have email integration with Wrinkle as well. So one of the things that we thought is, you know, one of the other ways we thought we could help keep you in a channel so that you can have a complete conversation and not have to jump around app to app. Say you're in a channel of, of 10 marketing folks and, or 10 sales folks and you're getting ready to go to a conference and you're all talking about the conference and you realize, hey, you know, you just want to make sure the booth is going to show up on time. Right. Uh, so right, pr- right, right from inside the channel, you can send a message that everyone in the channel will see, and you can add an email address or two or three. Um, and, and now your message will not only be posted to the channel, but the message will also be sent to the third party. And it could be, Bob, you know, can you give me some idea of when the booth will be arriving in Chicago? Right. And uh, when, when, when Bob responds um, to that message, the message is, comes back into your channel and, uh, and, and uh, I could choose as this original sender to share that with the rest of the group. Um, I share that message and everybody sees it, but we didn't have to leave the channel. It's all organized. Um, and we also have precautions of what messages we let back into the network. Because one of the beautiful things about group messaging is the fact that it is a walled garden that we do, um, you know, that, that you're not going to be spammed uh, in group messaging. So we have, when, when you send a message to a third party email, external email address, you also set rules around the how much time will we allow one day, uh, you know, one week, uh, for what period of time will we allow a response from this person? So we protect you that way as well. Okay. So I guess the question, somebody sitting at home saying, sounds pretty good. What's, um, what's the cost of Wrinkle? How does it work? So the cost of Wrinkle, it's a 30-day free trial. And uh, after 30 days, it's $6.95 per month. Wow. Uh, That's it. That's pretty good. That's really good. Okay. Um, Let's get back to your unbelievable track record. I haven't spoken to anybody, I don't think. Jay Samet, I think, is the only person that I know that um, has probably done more than five startups and four or five sellouts. What is it about you personally, forgetting your business acumen, what is it about you personally that um, leads to so much success? Go on, tell me you're six well, foot three, I, I, good looking I, with blue eyes. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I wish. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe I'd be on my seventh company if I was. Um, no, actually, that might be why. You might have just hit the nail on the head if I, I maybe I've got something to prove. Um, so, uh, no, I mean, uh, what, what is it about me personally that, that, that has led to that? I, I mean, 
I just love it. I mean, I, I can't, I, I just can't describe. There's absolutely nothing in the world I'd rather be doing. Um, it's, uh, it's so hard. It's a way to challenge yourself. It's a way to, you know, hey, I've got this idea and I've got to do these, you know, hundreds of things that have to go just right. Um, you know, and, and, and uh, I've got to bring a team of people together. Uh, we've got to believe in each other. Um, you know, there's just nothing like the feeling of, of how hard this is and, and, and being in war, at, at war and with, your, with, with the people that you work with and, and, and the sense of accomplishment. And, and now, too, I mean, I have investors in the company, and, and I dream about the party, you know, we're going to have when, when we sell the company and, you know, and, and buying them all presents and, and thanking them so much for their belief in us and, and um you know, it's just so motivating and exciting to challenge yourself um, to to um, do something that's really hard. Um, and I tell my kids, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 when I talk to my son and daughter, the 17-year-old, uh, 18 now, just turned 18 and my daughter's 16, um, you know, I, I, I talk to them about, you know, being one in a million. And, and it literally means... Um, you know, it doesn't mean you got lucky. It means that 999,999 people had to quit. Um, yep. and, and if you're will, if, and the harder it is, this I trick myself, you got to be able to, <laughs> you have to have a healthy disregard for the impossible. Um, and you got to be able to trick yourself in somehow that pain is good. Um, and for me, when things get the roughest, um, I tell myself, you know, a hundred thousand people just got off the bus today. Um, and, and, and I don't want to wait. I don't want to succeed. I don't want this company to take a hundred years to build. So every day that's easy, nobody quit. And, uh, when it's really hard, um, you know, a lot of people quit today. So I'm going to get to be that last man standing much quicker on the hard days than on the easy days. So I, I, I guess, I guess it's an ability to, uh, trick yourself nice. and kind of find ways to motivate yourself. Um, my brother just sent me an article about Woolsey and, and uh, this uh, Antarctica trek. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was in the New Yorker magazine um, recently, and uh, it's so motivating. I mean, the people out there and what they're achieving and, and what motivates them, it's not, it's not glory. It's internal. You're proving it to yourself, um, and, and it's just remarkable how great so many people out there are and what they're willing to sacrifice and, and, and for dreams. And so at the end of the day, it's, 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 you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I keep doing this? It, it, what, what in the world could ever make me feel this good? And, 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 uh, even if I failed, you know, God forbid, um, I, 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 I would rather fail, um, having tried than, 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 than have, you know, done something where I never pushed myself. I agree that I've got to say out of all the, 400-odd people that I've interviewed for this show, that is about the best summary of what makes people successful I have any, ever heard from anybody. I loved it. You hit the nail right on the head. That was fantastic. Thank Mark, you so much. Thank you. Mark, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, you can learn more about Mark and about Wrinkle. That's W-R-I-N-K-L. And you can go to wrinkle.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Network. And we're broadcasting daily from the incredible ultra-modern Austria Conference Center in Vienna, Austria. It's just a stone's throw from the Danube, which is absolutely beautiful. And I'm giving a uh, presentation here on disruption. Now, facial recognition software, I guess we think about that mostly with regard to law enforcement, but its, um, its growth in retail is dramatic. Retailers lose nearly $50 billion a year to theft. $50 billion every year to theft. And that's a great motivation to want better video surveillance, isn't it? But with great surveillance comes great privacy invasion. Most facial recognition surveillance systems are so discreet that consumer rights advocates have criticised the technology because it, it collects data without permission from the shoppers. Facial recognition company Face First already has hundreds of retailers using the systems and they say they have thousands and thousands more on the way. High-end hotels and retailers and casinos and people like that are already using facial recognition to help identify VIPs for preferential treatment. Face First scans shoppers against their database, which is 25 million faces, and they do it in under a second. And doing this has reduced shoplifting by 30%. And in America, only one state, which is Illinois, has passed laws banning the collection of biometric data without the subject's consent. I don't know why. I mean, if I own a store and I want to put facial recognition in it, I should be able to, surely. And if shoppers don't like it, don't bloody well shop here. I think, you know, Governments go a bit far. Now, everywhere else apart from this state, Illinois, it's fair game for retailers to surveil faces. Retailers are increasingly using facial recognition technology to track your face, with an estimated 59% of UK fashion retailers doing it. Is the anonymity and 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 forget it? Is the secrecy of cities an outdated idea. The new Saks Fifth Avenue in Toronto's Eaton Centre is opulent. I mean, it's amazing. There's hanging clouds of glass sculptures. There's silk area rugs, theatrically posed mannequin displays. It might have been the opening of a museum's latest blockbuster exhibition. Saks' new stores have been built on the standards of an impregnable high-tech fortress, employing some of the world's most aggressive cutting-edge approaches to in-source security and customer surveillance. I mean, it's quite amazing. The windows are fitted with hurricane-proof glass. The interior walls internally reinforced with wire cage steel bollards capable of stopping any vehicle and the so-called smash-and-grab have been installed right around the premises outside. So have roller security grills 
So something happens, push a button, all the security grills go down and whoever's in the building is caught. They've also got measures to curtail employee theft. The staff lockers have clear, plexi, clear plexiglass to ensure the contents inside are visible. I guess it shouldn't necessarily be a surprise that a high-end retailer would go to such lengths to protect their merchandise. Organised retail crime accounts for about half of the $4.6 billion a year in losses reported by the Canadian companies. Many of the companies providing social recognition capabilities also offer sophisticated analytics that helps retailers figure out which displays are working better and where the customer traffic is. Face recognition puts a face to all those aggregated bits of data, point-of-sale records and other sources. A quarter of all British shops now use facial recognition. Most valuable to retailers are the predictive analytics that come from tying one piece of information, your face, to your whereabouts, to your patterns, to the way you move through space and time, Using and they can use big data. Apple's popular iBeacon technology connects with a customer's device through a Bluetooth signal so they can actually track you right through the store. So next time you go shopping, make sure to smile. You're probably on candid camera. Now remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. I hope you're going to join me again next Tuesday when I'll be broadcasting from Moscow in Russia, where I'm giving another presentation on disruption. In the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.